Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the Iron Brew Podcasting Conversation Series. Brad Mel, Matt Blanchard, Matt Ellis, and why not? Let's add one more because we ain't got enough mats on this. Uh, a real iron legend for this one. I scored a number of very significant goals for the club over the years and we'll definitely be chatting about them. Matt Sparrow, how are you doing? Yeah, very well, thank you. Yep. Of course, we should probably say Matt's in uh, Australia at the minute, which is we'll come on to later on. So it's another one where we're dealing with the time differences. Let's start right at the beginning. Uh, so you were born in London, but you signed for the club as a 16-year-old. Uh, so how does that come about? How did you enter the Scunthorpe United youth setup? Um, obviously, I was born in London, yeah, Wembley. Um, and then my parents split up, so I ended up following my mother up north and um, settled in an area um, called Broughton for a year or two. Then uh, moved to Brig. And then, uh, yeah, I was playing for the local teams, Broughton, Ravers, um, Appleby, Froddingham. And then I got scouted for the Iron I think as a young age, maybe 12, 13. And then, um, yes, started uh, playing then, really, for Scunthorpe. What was your uh, experience like of the youth setup then? Uh, quite a few young players, obviously, that came through the ranks for Scunthorpe have, have had a good relationship with Paul Wilson and they love working with him. Did you? And, and what was it like? Oh, yeah, Will, Willow was a legend. I had uh, so much time for him, really. You know, his old school, his hard but fair. To be honest, he ran the, excuse my French, but the absolute bollocks off us every day. But yeah, I, I didn't mind that, you know, because he, he got super fit. But, um, you know, he's a, a really good coach back in the day. Yeah, I've uh, got nothing but praise for uh, for Paul Wilson, yeah. You played at the old Wembley Stadium in the FA Youth Alliance final against West Brom in 2000. Uh, that must have been a really good occasion for you so early in your career. You were only 16 years old. And I suppose not many players get that opportunity that young. Yeah, that was, you know, as I, looking back now, that was a, a great achievement to get to the final of the, uh, of the Youth Alliance Cup, I think it was called back then. Yeah, I can't really recall too much of the game, actually, but I know we, we did fantastic to, uh, to get there. Uh, I think we're not Middlesbrough, actually. And then obviously West Brom, um, disappointing, especially to, to lose on penalties. But um, there was a great team, great passing team, and we was the underdogs on the day. But, you know, it was a great occasion, uh, 16 years old, to play at Wembley. You know, the, the boys can pat themselves on the back, and it was a great day, you know, for the family and, you know, everyone involved. But, again, we got pipped up the last hurdle, so it was very disappointing, yeah. But overall, it was, you know, a great day. And to look back, it was a fantastic playing at the old Wembley. Must have been disappointing to miss a penalty that day as well. I know, yeah, yeah, it wasn't, uh, I think the keeper pulled a great save off, to be honest, but yeah, I think I missed one, uh, I think Mark Anderson actually tried to chip one as well, and I think the keeper just stood there and caught it, but uh, yeah, it was disappointing, yeah, my plan, it weren't the best, to be honest, but yeah, we'll... uh, we put that onto bed. <laughs> uh, so you get the breakthrough in 2000 and a number of young players, you know, they're also given the chance of thinking Graves, Stanton, you know, Harsley, Sheldon. Uh, does that make it easier to bed into the first team when you've got them going through it with you at the same time? Uh, I definitely think it does, yeah, because we're all really good mates. Like, uh, you know, I mean, Gravesy, uh, Stano, obviously Ginge, Gareth Sheldon was a great guy as well. And uh, like I say, Paul Harsley. So, I think it definitely makes it a little bit easier. It takes the pressure off you when you're on the pitch as well because, uh, you know, you've got your friends around you, really. Um, so, yeah, I don't think you're as nervous either. But, you know, as a, we had a lot of good youth players coming through the setup um, early 2000s, yeah. How tough was it breaking through in that season then, given things that weren't going so well on the pitch? Or, or was it indeed a little bit easier? Perhaps the pressure was off a little bit and, and everybody maybe got a little bit more of a chance, given that you know nobody really expected us to stay up? No, I yeah, I can't really recall too much of that season, to be honest. But like you say, I think you know, no one expected us to stay up. So on that term, it was probably you know the pressure was off. So we can go out and express ourselves, as the manager said back then. But you know we had a lot of inexperienced players as well, and um, you know I think at a young age you just want to try and play every game and you know try and learn and gain more experience. And you know obviously we got relegated, so you just got to try and live and learn and uh, get get back up the season after really. 
Yeah, you mentioned the relegation there. And what was the mood like around the club around that time? Because obviously, as we've said, we've been played in Division 2, but it's been you know, a losing battle. Um, why do you think that was? Do you think it was a case that we were underprepared for it, maybe? Well, I'm not, not sure about underprepared, but obviously each season you go into trying to you know, prepare the team as, as best you can. Um, I think we're probably not good enough all over the park, really. You know, leaked too many goals, didn't score enough. Um, you know, midfielders probably weren't chipping in with goals, but there's some big teams in the league and obviously they had bigger budgets. So I think it was just basically we wasn't good enough that season, you know, probably on and off the pitch. But you always try and, you know, after each game, you know, you, you try and find out, you know, why you're leaking goals. And But like you said, I, I just think... Yeah, we wasn't destined to stay up that season and uh, it was a learning curve and uh, obviously the season after I think we did okay. Do you worry about your career when you're going through something like that, I suppose at a young age? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, no no player likes to be to be relegated and definitely you're thinking, oh, you know, is, is it going to be like this season after season? Uh, you know, losing games isn't good for your confidence. You know, um, you're probably trying to keep the game simple where you probably try and take a few more risks. Um, you don't want to give a bad pass away. You know, the fans get on your back a bit. But yeah, I think you just got to try and be mentally tough and just try and bounce back. And, you know, uh, obviously training's not as enjoyable when you're down the bottom either. So, yeah, it was, uh, you know, a lot to think about. And obviously... I was quite fortunate not to have too many relegations, you know, in my CV. But um, yeah, I can't really, like I say, remember too much about that season back then. Something I don't think we've heard you talk about during kind of your, your career is the time you spent in prison on the assault charge in 2001. Obviously, it came as you were just breaking into the side and following the altercation in the town centre, you had to spend some time in prison. Is that incident something you look back on now and, and regret? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Of, of course, it was uh, just a moment of madness, which I re- regret uh, regret now, um, hugely. But um, yeah, it was some, a lot of dark days leading up to the court case, you know, but then obviously I got told that I was definitely going to do a bit of time, which, you know, obviously a few sleepless nights and um, a few months leading up to the court case. But um, like to say, it was the whole prison as well. So there was our big rivals back then. So obviously get, getting sent down and going across the bridge to Hull wasn't ideal, really, to be honest. And then you get, you know, 23 hours lockdown for three weeks. So you've got a lot of time to think in there. Um, you know, you're only allowed to come out yourself for an hour a day. But uh, I, I was lucky, really, because obviously Brian Laws was the manager then. And, he, you know, we stuck by him. He actually got in touch with someone you know, in the prison to like be a PT. So I was lucky enough to come out every day out of the cell and try and keep as fit as I can. And um, there's a lot of games going on on the Astro pitches there. So, you know, three, four games a week was keeps you, you know, stops you from going a bit, you know, crazy. But it was, uh, yeah, it wasn't ideal. And three, four months and, you know, you're back out. You're just trying to tick the days off as you, as, as you go by, really. It did did coming out and then, and then playing for Scunthorpe shortly after it, you know for for better word a bit of a cliche add a different perspective to life. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, just uh, you know makes you appreciate life so much more. You know, just the freedom being able to do what you want. You know, when you want. Um, just the little things like you know your own comforts of your own bed. You know, mum's cooking. Yeah, everything really just you know just makes you appreciate life so much more when you've you know when you when you been in somewhere like that and then you've mentioned how Brian Laws was helping you during that time but also you know as you get out Steve Wharton as well sticking by you as a club uh were you worried whilst you're in there that you're thinking maybe your time with Scunthorpe was over now or maybe even your career as a whole uh, and then do you feel like you owed the club a bit of loyalty for the you know the loyalty that they showed to you yeah definitely yeah Mr Wharton at the time was brilliant he was uh, you know he stuck by me from day one he was like yeah you know, the club's going to look after you, I'll look after you. And I think Lawsey come come actually and visited me when I was in there. So that, that was great by him as well. But uh, like you say, it definitely crosses your mind, you know, where's my career going now? You know, is any clubs going to take me? Or But uh, obviously I was very young then and, you know, there's a million and one things that enter your head. Um, like I say, there's a lot of thinking time. But, you know, when I came back out, I was lucky enough to be in the squad. I think it was a week after, North, I think it was Northampton away. But yeah, it was, it was just great to be back involved. Obviously, the lads obviously gave me a bit of banter for it, which is harmless. And but you just got to get your head down and work hard, and uh, you know try and get back in the team and put that behind me. Yeah, yeah, that was going to be kind of one of our next questions: whether how how the players, how the other players reacted. Um, was it easy to kind of slot straight back in, given you'd had a few months away from the group? Oh uh, yeah, it's well, yeah, like like say. Uh, you know, it's three, four months, but a lot of time to think in there. And, you know, obviously we had a great 
characters in the team team then but you just got to take it on the chin you know they're always banter flying about but you know like I say it's all pretty harmless so you, you can expect that you know even from the fans the opposition fans but I didn't mind that I was pretty mentally tough and uh, just got to get on with it and the best thing was uh, tr- trying to prove it on the pitch Let's move on from that a bit then and then you know in that season we brought in some experienced players and, and one of them notably most probably was Peter Bigri and what, what, were, what were the players thoughts on, on bringing Bigri in and because you know as fans we couldn't quite believe it because obviously you know he was a huge name at the time yeah, I couldn't believe it when, uh, you know, there was, you know, Chinese whispers, oh, was, you know, the club are signing Peter Beek. I was like, what? This is unbelievable. So, obviously, when he comes comes through the doors and into the change room, yeah, and you see him sat there, obviously, because he's played the likes at Everton and Man City, and, you know, now he's at Scunthorpe. We thought, wow, what a signing. And what a player, to be honest, he, you know, he, he proved to be, because uh, probably the best winger I've ever played with on his day was unbelievable and uh, his chop was ridiculous he would you know send you on your ass in training you know not once but twice and uh, you know it was a joy to watch and a joy to play with yeah What was it like as a person then because we've heard um, from quite a few different players we've spoken to that he was you know full of banter and uh, always joking around Yeah he, he was obviously he's been there done it so he has bags of experience and uh, yeah he's uh, he was banter king, but he was—he had some great stories to tell. You know, he used to come in the change rooms. Anyone got a calculator uh, just to check my bank balance? You know what I mean? Every day, <laughs> so it was quite funny. Or he would say, "Oh, Spud's just going with me a bath." You know what I mean? So I—I I, I, I don't—I didn't mind doing anything for him to be honest. But then I looked at him as a—you know—he was a legend, really. So uh, and uh, I think he had twenty years on me or eighteen. I'm not sure, but like I say, he's a bit of a father figure, and he looked after me. And uh, you know. He definitely loved the moan up, but what can you say? You can't really say too much back to him. But uh, I can remember when I used to play on the right wing and drift in a bit to keep Beegs, obviously, you know, on the on the left. Obviously, didn't track back that much. So Laws, you, you know, used to love me tucking in as a three in midfield. And Beegs, every time we used to go out, just if you get the ball, just dribble it across to me. Just dribble it. I was like, what about, you know, getting down the line and crossing it? He's like, nah, forget that. Just dribble it all the way to me and just, just find me and I'll, I'll deliver it across it. Don't you worry about that. So I can remember a few times I used to turn him down and he used to have a right chew up, but, you know, you didn't mind that. He, uh, he always produced more or less on the days. So, you know, just let him get let him get on with it. Were there any other players that you learned from at that time? I think he was there at that time. It was Torps, Dawes, uh, Russ was there. Yeah, Jacko, Gandyman. Yeah, they're all bags of experience. And I think you try and take what you want from each player to try and improve yourself. And obviously we had you know, experienced players at the club then. So I always learned a lot of each player and uh, just, just take it on board. But we had some, uh, you know, some great individuals back then, yeah. So the next couple of years, you were, you know, a big mainstay in the side and you hardly missed a game. That must have been a pretty, you know, a stable and an enjoyable period for you, given obviously that, you know, that your exposure to prison as well. So, you know, how, how did you feel throughout that kind of period? Yeah, you know, when you asked me that question, I didn't realise I racked up that many appearances in three and four seasons yeah 50 appearances more or less each season which is looking back some achievement actually yeah I must have been super fit back then but um, yeah you know cup games Tuesday, Saturday Tuesday, Saturday I used to love Tuesday night games and uh, yeah that was a uh, Probably the best three scenes I've had uh, appearance-wise, easily. Yeah, let's talk about the uh, the Luton game though away that year, and you know we win three two, and you score in the last minute to give us the win. So what's that one feeling like? Yeah, to be fair, that one was definitely up there with one of the best away days for me because I had my family there. My brother lived in Luton actually, and uh, my dad was there. We had a massive night out organised after the game, so I was like, oh, you know, I don't fancy our chances here at Luton. And I think Joe Kinnear was manager at the time, so they fancied it big time. You know, they're strut- coming out in the in the warm-up, strutting about a bit. But um, obviously to win 3-2 and for me to get the last minute winner was uh, was phenomenal, really. I can remember, I think they pulled it back to 2-2, so we would have settled for a point, to be honest. And then I think Beegs whipped one in, Torps nodded it back down to me, and I thought, right, I've just got to connect well with it here. And luckily, it connected well and uh, rattled the stance. So that was unbelievable win, and uh, it's a great feeling for me. Yeah. So it must have been a bit of a relief to uh, to, to actually get into the playoffs at the end of the end of the season, considering what happened the season before. And of course, we draw Lincoln, don't we? And um, a certain Simon Year as well. Um, yeah, I think it was obviously like you say the season before. It was you know we was bitterly disappointed to like I say to miss out on goal difference. Um, I think it was the heart of the pool, if I'm right. But um, yep, like I say, we got into the playoffs. Um, some you know some big teams in there. You know, obviously we we've drew Lincoln, our arch rivals, and uh, obviously we went in there full of uh, optimism and we was very confident. But 
you know, to go away to Sintel Bank, you know, as a big crowd, you know, everyone was raring to go. And obviously the game didn't really go as planned. And, you know, we find ourselves, um, I think it was 2-0 down and pulled one back through uh, Alex Calvo-Garcia. Then I think after the after the break, they, they notched another. So it was, you know, a bit of a mountain to climb. And somehow we got ourselves back into the game at 3-3. And I think it was Nathan Stanton's first goal for the club, actually. It was, it was yeah. a great strike. <laughs> yeah, cracking strike. Like, <laughs> I think he was surprised that went in. But then, you, like you say, um, Mr. EO come off the bench and did the damage with two late goals. It was really the thorn in the side that day. And obviously, the, at the return, they get gone for the park. Just jumping back slightly, actually, you mentioned there that Lincoln were our arch rivals, and that was something we were interested in because obviously, with it being a playoff game, you know, there's a lot of extra tension. I think Laws and Keith Alexander they'd had a bit of a disagreement. I don't think they shook hands at the end of the first half. Uh, we spoke to Steve Torpy, he of course told us about battles with Futcher. So, you know, there were heated games. But what was it like playing Lincoln in general? Because you know, like you say, there, you know, they were our arch rivals. There was always very, very tough encounters. You know, obviously there was a big team. They had Futra. So obviously they played for throw-ins and set pieces. Obviously there was dangerous on corners. So, you know, we were a better footballing team, I thought, at the time. But obviously there was there was more direct and we knew what we was up against. So it's really who, you know, who started the brighter. And like I say, we had some great games with them. But if I could look back in my career now, and I would say that's the one that got away. Cause I think if we'd have got to the final, we'd have had a great chance against Bournemouth. But... You know, it wasn't to be. And um, yeah, there was a bit of tension, obviously, with Laws. There was a few things going on in the, on the radio and the paper and uh, bits and bobs. But obviously, Torpy loved the, you know, the challenges against Futch and, and the likes. But so did we all, really, because they had some good midfielders and, uh, like I say, strikers. So, you know, we was a bit gutted on that level as well to, to go out to them because they was just a big direct team at the time. And obviously, they come unstuck against Bournemouth in the final. I think they got rinsed in the final. Um, if I can remember. So, uh, yeah, it was devastating, really. But obviously, the return leg, we didn't really get going at all. And I think Sam and you, you know, scored another one to really, uh, you know, kill us off. After that first game, when we do lose 5-3, obviously, we've mentioned that, you know, it comes back to 3-3, but then, of course, he scores two, doesn't he? And it ends 5-3. Did you think the tie had gone or did you think there was a chance going into the home game? No, you always think there's a chance because I think, you know, if you... If you score early doors at home, which we, which was the game plan, um, they knew you know we was going to throw throw everything at them first ten fifteen. We needed an early goal, even one before half time or any stage really in the game. But we, the main thing was that you know we we couldn't really concede another because that would you know we'd need three at least to draw the tie. So I think we often puffed and it didn't quite work out. Um, I think we had a few chances, but I can't really remember if we if we weren't really that close, but. Like I say, once they got the the six goal, and to make it six three, it was uh, yeah, that really knocked the stuffing out of us. I think you got near double figures in goals that season, which is something you never quite got near to again. Um, was that a, a, a discipline from the manager that instilled in the return to tightening things up a little bit, or was it just that you had a really prolific season? Because obviously, it's a good return for a midfielder. Yeah, yeah, I think it was nine that season actually. Yeah, to be fair, I was a bit disappointed in myself. I, you know, I should have reached double figures a couple of seasons, really, but I'm not sure. I should have uh, should have scored more goals, to be honest, because I actually had a decent decent shot on me and scored a few few decent goals. But like I say, yeah, I'm quite surprised I never really got to double figures. But I think I was more of a bit of a workhorse right winger, and uh, Lawsy used to love, you know, making me come back and cover. I think Stanton and Cliffy Byrne at the time, but that's what they quite liked about me because I was up and down and. I, and I could defend as well and help out and double up with their winger. So we put it down to that. That's why I probably didn't get double figures. But, you know, I'd have loved to. But I'd probably regret that a bit, yeah. Moving on then. and um, The 03-04 season, that was a strange one for fans because we had we had obviously some really good players and a lot of the players you mentioned were still at the club. Um, but unfortunately, we were down the wrong end of the table and there was the whole thing with Lawsy getting the sack and then and then coming back. Um how was that as a as a player to be in and around that squad, knowing we had a decent side on paper, but it just wasn't happening on the pitch? Yeah, that was an odd season. That Yeah, like say, uh, we just didn't quite click for whatever reason, really. But like I said, we had some good players at the time. I think we scored a lot, but conceded a hell of a lot that season as well. But I think the quality all over the pitch just, just wasn't enough. And, you know, combined with injuries, suspensions. But again, that's... Can't remember too much about that 0304 season. If that's the one, yeah. But like I say, I think the season after we um, we turned it around in style, yeah. 
Yeah, and let's let's look at that season because we have a, a number of very significant additions. So Muzzle White, Crosby, Barraclough. You know, it complements some of the players we've already talked about, like Beagree and Torpy. Um, you, did they add what I guess what was missing from the previous season? Yeah, definitely. If you if you look at the the names that you've mentioned there, Muzzy, Crosby, Barra. You know, good players, leaders, very organised. You know, Muzzy was a great great guy and obviously a big framing goal. You know, very vocal. And then you got you know. Captain Crosby was, uh, you know, I can't say a bad word about him. I, you know, I love Crosby. He looked after me, and uh, you know, I thought he was a, he was a great leader and a great captain. And then Barraclough arrived, and you know, he could play a bit great left foot, complementing me well in there because obviously he balanced it off nicely. And then uh, you know, you got Beegs on the wing and Torps who did well. So you know, there was uh, the final pieces of jigsaw really. Yeah, how much easier did they, you know, the experienced players make it for the younger lads, um, like for example, Hazy Cleveland, players like that? Oh, they, you know, they added that experience and that steel, and you know, when things weren't going great for us young boys, they'd always put your arm around you and um, you know just try and get the the best out of you. Really, you know, they knew how to win games and, and see it out, and you know, like I say, Cross was a. You know, it's a massive uh, leadership. You know, brought all his qualities and Biggs had a great season. Then you got Torps and A's up front who scored the goals. So, you know, that was, uh, like I say, that was a, a great season, that one. Speaking of Hayes, up front scoring the goals, move on to the Chelsea game in the FA Cup a little bit. It was obviously a really, really big um, occasion for the fans and it must have been for the players as well. How was that, you know, like as an experience? And do you feel you're a bit unlucky not to get something from it? Because we certainly could have scored a couple more goals. No, nah, no, yeah, to go one up is uh, unbelievable, really. I, I, sometimes I watch that Chris Kamara video when they say, uh, you know, he, he's absolutely pissing himself. We're going to Stamford Bridge, and, you know, it's Scunthorpe have scored, but like you say, what a day, you know, everyone's there. I think we took about 8,000 fans there that day. And to score first, like you say, I don't think we could believe it, to be honest. Hazy, um, you know, the old toe poker used to love that one. Yeah, I was a bit disappointed we didn't get maybe a draw, but looking back, you know, they scored on the stroke of half time and then, uh, you know, put a, put a few subs on, like I say, Robin comes on last 10. But all in all, I think, you know, we can't really be disappointed. It was a, just a great day out and obviously Mourinho, you know, was manager of the best team in England at the time, you know, but what, what a nice guy he was coming to change rooms after and spoke a bit to us. So we was all really, uh, you know, really pleased really at the end of the day. Let's talk about that goal because you do play a part in it. You mentioned Hayes toe poked it. Well, when we spoke to Hayes on our episode with him, he said uh, that you couldn't hit it with your left foot, so he knew it wasn't going where it was meant to be. What do you reckon of that? Yeah, that's a bit harsh by Hayes. Yeah, I listened to that one. I was like, "What's on about here?" Yeah. Nah, I, I kept it low for him. You know, I think I waited Didier Drogba. You know, Drogba didn't see that one coming, so. You know, I cut his eyes and I, I knew Hazy wouldn't go fast, Dick. So he loves the near post. Kept it low for him and uh, you know put it on the plate and. Let him do the rest, really. So it's a bit harsh what he said there. I used to dig a few out on my left. It must have been a bit of a relief to, you know, finally kind of clinch promotion, given what happened last year in the playoffs. And of course, we we uh, we go away at Shrewsbury. Yeah, yeah. I can remember that game. That was a horrible game. I think it was nil-nil. And I think we just needed, uh, I'm not sure if we need, just needed a point or I'm not sure if we needed a win. But obviously, Swansea would finish third and uh, Yeovil finished you know, champions. But, um, yeah, what a relief to get promoted because that, that squad back then was a brilliant squad. You know, we all helped each other out all over the pitch. Like I say, uh, Lawsley brought in Barraclough and Crosby and uh, obviously Beagre is still there. Me and Barraclough in the middle. Uh, Hayes and Torpy up front. So, you know, it was, a, it, was a, it was a great team. Not, you know, I want to say the best overall team obviously in the league. Overall great that season. Swansea was always a good passing team. But, you know, we dug in when it mattered and to get that uh, promotion on the final day was, was epic really looking back and everyone, you know, was over the moon, especially myself, my first promotion. And it was a great feeling. And then from then on, I wanted, you know, more success, more promotions. And it was, uh, yeah, that was a great, great year looking back. Then moving into 0506 then, and um, given, you know, years previous to that, we failed trying to stay up. And, you know, when we got promoted from, from league two before, um, first and foremost, was that the aim that season, just to stay up, or did as players, you know, we had that group with, with Crosby, Barra, um, and, and the other players we've mentioned. Did you feel as players that we potentially had more to have a have a go and uh, maybe push for that playoffs that season? As soon as uh, we was in 
in League One. I think first and foremost was, like you say, is to stay up. And then I think we finished 12th that, that, that year, if I'm right. I think we, we won 15, but then we also lost a lot in 15. And then I think we drew, drew quite a few. But um, yeah, we couldn't really get a winning formula going. I think when we'd win one, but then we'd go and lose one. And then we'd, we'd pick up a draw. So I think, you know, all in all, mid-table was, uh, was pleasing, really. You know, really could have pushed for playoffs, but you know, can't really get too greedy. And uh, yeah, mid-table it was, unfortunately. Let's talk about some additions uh, to the squad because Keo's already at the club. And then, of course, we had Billy Sharp. Um, at what point did you realise how good they were together? I think probably from from day one when they when they started linking up in training, you definitely thought right, these two have got you know they've got a bit. And there was like two peas in a pod. There was you know off to Forest Pines together after training. There was eating together, so they really clicked well on and off the pitch. And uh, you know, there's really working you know the socks off for each other. Um, Keo probably more than Sharpie, but obviously Sharp Sharpie was deadly finisher. So um, yeah, they compl- complemented each other very well. Heading into the 0607 campaign, then did it did it feel at that point like that we might be on you know kind of on the verge of something special? Yeah, definitely. Um, probably not after the first month. I don't think we won a game in no. in five, was it? Yeah, we struggled to win the the win in the first month, but you know we kept we kept believing in each other. We knew we had a, a special group, really good balance all over the park. You know, we had Beegs on one wing and uh, Cleveland on the other. Me, Baron, like you say, we had Keo Sharp, and I think Beckford joined us that season. But then uh, at the back, we're pretty solid. Obviously, Murphy and goal, Cliffy, Crosser, Marcus, Fozzie. So it's probably one of the most enjoyable seasons I've uh, ever uh, worn a claret and blue shirt, to be honest. Yeah, it was a great season. Yeah, not long into that season, Lawsy obviously leaves. And you've obviously spoken about um, Laws and kind of your relationship with him. You, you were quite close to him. Um, how was that for you? And then obviously Nige coming in, um, how did the players kind of react to that? Was it was it a seamless transition between Laws and Atkins? Uh, I think it was a bit, you know, everyone's a bit surprised really, you know, Laws will leave and I, you know, I was a bit gutted that he that he went to be honest, like I say, he was, he was great with me, we got on well. Yeah, to see him leave and then obviously Nigel coming in from being a physio was a bit surprising, but, you know, he was always destined to become you know, a number two or even a manager, you know, he knew the game inside out and what a job he did, to be honest. He's, he's never looked back, has he, since Nige? So, you know, it's just his positivity and his energy and, it, you know, he rubbed off on the players and he was, you know, he, he was great with us, really. Yeah, and obviously that is the year we go up as champions of six or seven. Uh, you've already spent quite a lot of time, you know, of your career at the club, so it must have been a great moment to be involved in that squad to do that achievement. Yeah, that was a great season. Yeah, like I say, I've, I think I've been there. Uh, Nine, nine, ten years, you know, great memories. And, um, you know, t- to get into the championship was uh, phenomenal, really. Like I say, that was one of the best squads I've ever, ever had the privilege to play in. Some great players, but I think it was more down down to just all um, sticking together, you know, on and off the pitch. We was very, very close knit group. Um, you know, Nige kept that within the squad. And, uh, yeah, it was an unbelievable season. Us on, on the back of that, you were offered a new three-year deal with the club in, in the August of 2007. Was that an easy decision to make, considering that, you know, as you just said, the whole club was on a high? Yeah, I think it was, yeah. Um, obviously, three-year deals don't really come around often, but, we, you know, it was a great time for the club then in 2007. Yeah, and I didn't really think think twice about it. Um, you know, pen to paper was pretty much on the same day, I think. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to be part of a successful club which he was at the time and um it's definitely going places so it's you know I was happy where I lived and um obviously it's three years a bit more security as well for me and uh, my family so yep it was a no-brainer really yeah and obviously Keo had gone in the January and we lost Sharp that summer and I think we obviously we tried to get Beckford but that didn't work out so it was always going to be a little bit of a struggle given how important they were to the side the previous season um, but do you think the club could have done a little bit more in hindsight to maybe prepare for that season um, heading into the championship? Obviously, like you say, losing champion Q was a huge, huge blow. And it was a ma- massive step up at the time for you know quite a lot of us um, into the championships. Very small budget we was on. So I think we prepared as much as we could. But, you know, if you, if you haven't got the firepower, you know, you, you haven't got, you're not going to stand a chance in the championship. And I don't think we scored over 50 goals that season, to be honest. And we leaked a lot. You know, we used to go away to Molyneux and be 2 1 up five minutes ago when they'd come back and, you know, win 3 2. I think they brought Ricardo Fuller off the bench, just for instance. He was probably on a lot of money at the time. 
But yeah, you know, if we go one up, we just couldn't couldn't seem to see the C games out, and obviously it was very disappointing to um, you know to go to get relegated. I think if I remember rightly, we did actually get enough points that any other year we would have stayed up with what we got. I guess at the time or even now, does that become a sort of solace, or was the fact that we went down what sticks with you? Yeah, yeah, I don't think anyone really thinks about you know how many points you get, and I like, you know it's a, it's a relegation on your CV, and it's you know it's horrible in it to get to get relegated. Uh, to back down but yeah that's quite a surprising start I didn't know that how many points did we finish on that season I think it was 46 or 48 something uh, like good that. memory <laughs> yeah well we normally have a points target I think the managers try and say 50 and you're safe but obviously yeah we just fell short on the on the last hurdle so it's really disappointing but I don't think overall we deserved to, to stay up really you know we I think we blew quite a lot of leads and you know didn't keep many clean sheets but it's a you know it's a learning curve and you know next year you know, we rolled our sleeves up and obviously, you know, what a year it was. Yeah, so let's move into that year, obviously, 08, 09. Um, what was the approach? Was it straight away in the pre-season? Was Nigel saying, right, we're going to get back up this year? Nigel really kept us, you know, kept our feet firmly on the ground and he didn't say, right, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to go straight back up. He was more or less, you know, like one of his says, everyone's grabbing an oar and we stick together and, uh, you know, and we've got, we're going to have a chance, you know, because we had a great squad again. It was all about taking each game as... As it, as it came along and um, you know like I say what a season it was and it was uh, it was very good at uh, getting the best out of the players us, we uh, we made the playoffs and thanks to a you know a, a pretty significant moment and a goal from Cliff Byrne versus Tranmere at home I think you know it's probably one of the great Glanford Park moments of the mm-hmm. past you know couple of decades or so really so what was it like to be involved in that because I don't think I've seen Glanford Park erupt in such a way No, nah, that was unbelievable I still see it on Facebook uh, you know I think Grant delivers it and Cliffy pops up and, you know, the fan goes wild. So, you know, we didn't think it was going to come. The game wasn't wasn't a great one, I don't think. I think I was, I think I got subbed off, actually, last 10 minutes, maybe. Yeah, and Cliffy puts it in, couldn't write the script any better to get us into the playoffs. And, uh, yeah, probably the last few games was unbelievable. You know, the playoffs, MK Dons and then Wembley, it was, you literally couldn't, couldn't write that season any better to be honest we obviously snuck into the playoffs um, on that last day and we were drawn against MK Dons who were, had a really good season I think they finished was it third um, so you know going into the playoffs did you think that we were kind of underdogs or did, did you really think that we could we, we had a chance against them um, obviously you think, you think you're going to have the chance um, but there was a great team um, that season you know, they, they passed it well around the uh, pitch very well I think they played diamond as well so you know they got that off to a, a tee but um, you know we just had to let them have quite a bit of possession which they did and try and get them on the counter attack but it was you know the games could again could have gone either way and we rode our luck at times but I think so did them but um, yeah the way we did it on penalties 7-6 I think it was possibly yeah uh, big Tor Andre Flo missing the final penalty. Yeah, thought here we go again. We, you know, going to Wembley. Can't believe we're here, and uh, this is you know this is our chance now. Yeah, let's talk about that penalty shootout then at MK Dons because obviously it's another penalty miss. And before this episode, we did a little bit of research um, because I was thinking I'd never actually seen you score a penalty, and it turns out every penalty you'd taken, unfortunately, you'd missed. Um, obviously, you had the confidence to step up, but what's going through your mind during that shootout? I was always pretty confident, to be honest. Um, I did get actually a good connection, but I think it was just too well a connection. I think it hit like the, you know the the angle of the goal actually. So again, but I, I couldn't believe it. I just want to you know to dig a hole and bury myself in it when 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 you miss that. But um, yeah, and then Cliffy steps up and you know puts his in Rosette. So I was like, oh, here we go. You know what I mean? The fans are going to slate us here, and you know getting back on that bus back to Scunny, you know, everyone's. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Gutted and it's going to be a long off-season, you know, I've missed my penalty, but I couldn't believe it that we, you know, we, again, we turned it around and we got, got to Wembley. Just, it was unbelievable feeling as well and what a high it was. Uh, so, as you mentioned, we do get to Wembley and we'll come on to the game in a second. But just before we do that, uh, I think you're one of the few players, certainly one of the few Scunthorpe players that have actually played at both the old Wembley Stadium and the new Wembley Stadium. So not many be able to say that. What are the differences between the two? Not too much, to be honest. Uh, like I say, it's just unbelievable arena. Um, as I was born there as well, I've always wanted to play there. And to play there like three times is you know, very, very fortunate. And um, yeah, I'd, 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 I'd swap the the Youth Cup Alliance and obviously the Luton one definitely to win the playoff league 1-1 but um, yeah it's uh, just a, again a great achievement and, and I still think to myself now that I've, I can't believe I played uh, you know, at the old and the new Given that we lost to uh, Luton in the Jonathan Paint Trophy at uh, Wembley early in the season was that disappointment used in the preparation for the Millwall game at all? To be honest I think we took more fans down to the Luton game and I think we was obviously favourites for that game and I think, you know, everyone expected us to turn them over quite easily. And obviously after we, you know, we've, it was definitely Luton's, you know, day. They they deserved it, obviously. Um, but like you say, and then you got, you literally, you're coming away from there losing. You go on, now we've got Millwall again. So we're going to be the underdogs in that in that game. So you've just got to really, you know, pick yourself up and go again and just try things differently. And I think we stayed in a different hotel, actually, um, a couple of weeks later. But um, yeah, like you say, it's uh, you know a few a few nerves. But once you cross that white line, it was uh, you know what a game it was, end to end. And uh, I still watch it back now, and uh, still can't believe it. And it's probably the best day of my life, to be honest. Yeah, what was the atmosphere like that day? You know, pitch level sort of thing, because obviously there's a huge Millwall following. Not so many Scunthorpe fans, but it made for a really good atmosphere. Yeah, it was a cracking atmosphere. I think, um, you know, everyone's family's there and, you know, it's just such a, a great day. And, you know, the, the Scunny still took, I think, still took 10, 15,000 in the corner. And, uh, you know, they uh, sang their hearts out. And um, there was a few few tears at the end. Uh, all my family was there and everyone's family. It was, uh, and like I say, to score, I think it was one of my first touches of the game, actually, to put that in. It was, I couldn't really describe how I felt. It was unbelievable yeah so I mean you do you do well you get a couple don't you but that first one that is it's early on like you say one of your first touches uh can you yeah. talk us through like in the moment how what are you thinking you know when you when you're shooting or you know get stepping up for it yeah well I knew uh as soon as Woolley was lining up at, to uh to have a crack I was like right I've just got to try and if there's a rebound yeah, I've got to be there so you know, I think their keeper could have done maybe a little bit better, but then as soon as it's you know it's coming out to me, I've, I don't think I sprinted as quick as I ever, and I've got <laughs> onto the back of it. Right, just hit the target. You know, you can't miss from here. So luckily, I've you know I've got a bit of height on it as well, and it made it look even better. So I was you know I just couldn't believe it. I was on cloud nine as soon as that went in, and that, you know first five minutes it was you know phenomenal. Obviously, Millwall get back into it, and there's that great goal from Gary Alexander. Is that a moment where you just you kind of think, "Wow, what a, what a strike!" sort of thing. Like I said, I couldn't believe he's even attempted to shoot from there. I, I couldn't believe it, but I was like, "No way, this ain't going in." As soon as he hit it, I thought this has got a chance. You know, I think Murphy's off his line a little bit as well. So um, yeah, as soon as that hit the net, I was like, "Oh wow, here we go!" Forty thousand Millwall fans here on the feet and. You know, and then, then they get the second. I was like, ah, Murph should have done a bit better. I think it would be a bit disappointed in himself. And I thought, oh, here we go. This is half time and, you know, regroup, stay in the game. And um, and we, we definitely did. And what a second half it was. Of course, you, you get the second goal. And, you know, what was that like? Because you, you kind of, you take your time with it a little bit, don't you? You don't hit it straight away. You take one or two touches and just kind of, you know, calmly put it away, really, especially in front of the Millwall fans. That must have been a pr- pretty, pretty good experience. <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty special. To be honest, um, I still don't know. You know, it was just instinct to. Because um, I think their keeper thought I was going to hit it first time, and as soon as it rolled across, I'm right, right, just compose yourself, and you know, you, you don't have to rush it. But then, as soon as I chopped it inside, you know, the keeper went for a pie and peas, and that was it. Just got a <laughs> get a good connection on the left and keep it high, and uh, luckily I did as well. So. 
you know, Hazy was slating me about my left foot, but I'm sure he wouldn't moan about that one. And then, like I say, in front of the Millwall fans, that, uh, you know, rub it in their faces was unbelievable. Yeah, just to shut them bunch up. And uh, I think I ran all the way back to my family and tried to wave to my dad. But like I say, it was, it was ridiculous. It probably didn't even sink in that I got, you know, got, got a couple and uh, they should have actually scored another. Alexander should have got his hat-trick. That was a turning point for me. God knows how he's missed that. But, um, yeah, and then uh, upstep, you know, Woolley to, to get the winner. He had a great, great game, MOM. And, uh, yeah, and the feeling was probably best feeling I've ever had after that game, to be honest, yeah. Yeah, and obviously Wolford does get the win. And like you just say, what are those last five minutes like? Because I remember watching them, you know, I think I think most Scunthorpe fans you know, have never been so nervous in our life in that last five minutes. <laughs> oh, my God. And, no, uh, yeah, you know, there's, I think they took the kitchen sink at us as well. And, you know, we're just praying like just I think you know, everyone's defending, no one's up. We you know, just give us give what you can for the last five minutes. But luckily, uh, you know, we, we saw the game out and as soon as the ref uh, the ref blew the whistle, that was it. There was, you know, tears of joy and um, you know, celebrations continued long into the night. It was, you know, unbelievable day and uh, yeah, best day of my life football wise easily. Yeah, obviously that's your third promotion um, with the club. How does that compare to the other two? You obviously say it's the best day of your life, uh, football in life. Um, how does that kind of compare? And why was it the best day? Was it because you'd scored a couple of goals? Uh, well, that definitely helps, yeah. But obviously, <laughs> just the way we did it with the Tranmere and the MK Dons, it was such a roller coaster ride. And then, you know, to be, you know, Millwall, a huge, huge club at the time. And uh, yeah, I, I just think the way we did it, tops it off for me but then the uh, the season where we romped League One and uh, finished champions that was a, a great great squad we had there and great players and you know it was all good friends and uh, but I think this one just just pips it this one yeah just just the way we did it to be honest Moving moving on to the the next season, and as you said, it, you know it's, it's difficult to stay um, to go up from League One, but I suppose it's in, in a sense it's even harder to stay up in the Championship, isn't it? So you know, how good was our home form that year, and, and that must have been a pretty big factor into you know and ensuring that we we did manage to stay up. Yeah, that was a massive achievement because we obviously didn't want to get relegated like we did a few years back. Um, I think we was more prepared for it this time round. Like I say, our home form was very good. Um, you know, away from home, we just tried to nick the odd point, and which we did. Didn't leak as many goals. But, but like I say, we managed to stay above big, big clubs that year. Obviously, Crystal Palace and Sheffield Wednesday. You know, to, and to secure championship safety was... Uh, you know, it was a phenomenal achievement, and looking back now, uh, you know, I still can't believe that we was in, you know, we was in the championship, and to stay there was, uh, like I say, it's probably on par with winning League One, yeah. Mm. And obviously, a big part of that is Hayes and Hooper. It's another one of those, you know, really effective partnerships. Uh, arguably, they're even better than the year before. I mean, so what are those two like? You know, playing with how good did you see them? And then after that, um, who was better, Hayes and Hooper or Sharp and Keogh? You know, Hayes and Hooper hit it off and um, Hayes obviously uh, set a lot up for, for Gary Hooper on his day. And when he come in, he was quiet, lad. And I thought, you know, who is this guy we got? But now I look at him and, uh, you know, he uh, did unbelievable for us for, for two years. And M2 was an uh, unbelievable partnership. Similar to Sharp and Keogh, um, lots of goals in him. But I still ask myself the question and I really can't give you an answer. I still don't know who was, who was the better out of the two. You know, Hayes and Hooper and Sharp and Keogh, but you know, four great strikers and, you know, that we had at the club at that time. And um, I'd say Hooper was probably the most natural finisher I've ever played with. He's so calm and the way he just stroked the ball in was, you know, it made it look very easy where Sharpie was box in the box. He was probably more ruthless and more alert and, you know, he knew where the ball would land. Um, then you got Q, had a, had a bit of every, everything. You know, he could play anywhere across the front, but he had an unbelievable work rate and, like I say, Hazy was uh, just a superb player for linking up and you know to to set up goals for the other players. Speaking of important goals, you obviously scored the goal that kept us up in the championship in that two-all draw against Reading. Uh, that must have been a really memorable way to sign off as an iron player, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, that, I can remember that game well. We think it was two-nil down and thought, oh, here we go, here we go, a couple more games left. Um, yeah, Hoops gets one back, and then. Um, I lucky enough connected with one. wasn't a great connection, but as soon as it hit the back of the net, it was you know it was again it was an unbelievable feeling. The fans went wild, and to, you know to get the point to secure safety was a was a great way, like you said, to sign off as a as a Comfort United player. Yeah, 
course, as, as you signed off, you made your 300th appearance in April 2009. And, and then you had your testimonial in May and it was attended by, you know, a, a pretty big group of Iron Legends, include, you know, including Sharpie and Beagree. And how was that as an experience? Um, you know, because nowadays players don't really seem to stay around long enough at clubs to have a testimonial. So that must have been a pretty big day. Yeah, that was a huge day. And to get all the old Scunny Legends back that day and... I'll- like I say, I think every single one of them turned up. So, uh, you know, I'd like to thank thank all of them that turned up. And, you know, it was just a great occasion and great day. And like I say, my 300th appearance and then to have a testimonial, you know, I don't come around often anymore these days. And, uh, yeah, it's just, a, you know, a, a great day. And it was a good crack. I think the game ended up like 8-7 or something on the day. Um, I, think, I, I think I scored my penalty that day as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think I put it past Muzzy, I think it was. I'm not sure. Yeah. So there's my penalty I score for Scunny on my testimonial. <laughs> uh, so in uh, June 2010, you turned down a new contract and you moved to Brighton. You were in League One at the time. Um, you've, I think you've said before that you weren't desperate to get away. But So what was going on with that? Why did you turn it down? And what, was it a case that you'd done everything that you could do with Scunthorpe? I think so, yeah. Um, to be honest, I'd... You know, fantastic 11 years there at the club. You know, I was happy to go away and just think about my options. Um, I think that's the first time that summer I actually got an agent because my stepdad always used to sort out my contract. So I never had an agent up till then. But like say, uh, there was an offer on the table f- from Scunthorpe. But to be honest, like you say, I've had my testimonial. I've had 11 great years. I just want to just, you know, try and seek new pastures and, uh, you know, see what else was out there for me. I wanted to go and test myself at another club and... Lucky for me, you know, Brighton came in and um, that was a no-brainer, really, because I had family down in Brighton and they had three great years there, really, as well. That summer, obviously, quite a lot of players did move on. You know, Grant McCann, Max Williams and then then Hayes and Hooper as well. Did that kind of play on your mind a little bit when you were deciding whether to kind of move on or not, knowing that the squad the following season wasn't going to be anywhere near as strong? Well, when you see good players like like the names you mentioned, you know, Macca, Marcus... Hazing Hooper, it's always you know going to be tough you know to to have a good season as well. But I, I don't think that really played too much in my mind about my move. I you know I knew like say I, I had eleven great years and I just wanted to try a new challenge at a new club. So um, yeah, but uh, it's disappointing to see you know them them players leave, but they've all you know moved on to uh, other clubs as well, you know big clubs. Um, so I think it was just bad timing that you know a few good players left at that time. Yeah. Why do you think that the club kind of struggled to keep keep hold of those players? Then, despite despite the fact that we stayed up, and do you think we could have done more? I'm not sure. I think it was obviously down to finances or <laughs> or whatever. Maybe players thought there was you know worth a bit more, but I don't think that any of them players you know were greedy and wanted X amount. You know, there's all you know great genuine players. So, like you say, I think they just wanted to try a new challenge. And uh, like you say, I think they they all moved on to big clubs as well. So. I think Hoops went obviously Celtic, Hazy went Preston, Grant went Peterborough, Marcus went Reading. So them, you know, them four clubs are, are huge, really. So yeah, it's just one of one of those things, really. Yeah. We had a question sent in actually by uh, by a fan, and he was just asking whether you were ever close to leaving before, uh, because I think there were a few rumours when you were really young, and then when we won the league that season, there was a link with Sheffield Wednesday. Was there any truth in that? There's always rumours, but I never really got. Like I said, I didn't really have an agent at the time, but um, there's you know there's always rumours, and the Sheffield Wednesday rumour it did go about a bit, but yeah, nothing really was concrete. And um, Aston Villa was interested at one stage actually uh, after we played him in the FA Cup. Beagues come up to me, says, "Oh, the Villa scouts are here." I was like, "All oh, right." So obviously, um, you know, I try to play as perform as well as you can, but then I think I got injured a few weeks after that, so that that's scuppered any chance of uh, moving to Villa. But um, yeah, nothing was concrete. Um, obviously until Brighton yeah and you mentioned Brighton there so it's a three year deal that you sign and as you said you've had 11 years at Scunthorpe so you know really on part not just your career but your life as well uh, you say that you've got family down in Brighton so I guess that helps it but what what was it like you know joining that club in the sort of first few days what's the setup like how was it different oh yeah it was uh, all, you know just really new to me um, obviously being at one club since I was, uh, as a kid you know it's a new team new stadium Completely new location. It was a bit daunting at first going down there and meeting all, you know, all the new players and uh, obviously the manager was Gus Poyet at the time. But he was he was brilliant with me and um, you know it only took a week or two to gel and to settle in with the team and uh, you know and that was it. It was pre-season and you know away we go. How was, how was Gus Poyet 
to play under then because obviously he's a bit of a different character to to Laws and Atkins, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He, he, uh, Gus was brilliant. You know, he's obviously South American, so um, <laughs> he was all about tactics and um, you know, all obsessed in uh, shape and sticking with a new formation. You know, we we played diamond for the first two years and we. You know, we romped League One. Uh, I think we only lost one home game all season as well. But you know, used to keep the full-backs high and wide. Um, you know, used to let the two centre halves. Always used to like two ball playing centre halves, and I was like the number ten back then as well. So, and then we had great strikers. I think we had Glenn Murray, who's still in the Prem now, believe it or not. We had Luar Luar on one wing, Craig Noon on the other, Ashley Barnes up front. So we had an unbelievable team back then and uh, yeah he was great Gus was brilliant as well and his number two uh, Tariqa was uh, was class as well to be honest yeah obviously another promotion on your CV you mentioned some of the players that obviously were at, were at the club did you expect promotion that year when you kind of walked into the building saw the players and, and the setup Brighton had yeah no not really because when I turned up I think they got rid of nearly 10 or 12 players as well and then we started signing uh some decent players and thought as soon as we started I thought we've got we've got half a chance this season playoffs maybe at best but we literally from from day one from the first game you know we was phenomenal that season and we used to pass teams off the park we we had the firepower and we had a you know a great back four you know he's experienced all good ages as well we had Gordon Greer who was the captain he played for Scotland so uh, it was calm and collective. You had the Spanish right back Calderon. I think he only just left a couple of years ago. So we had we had great balance. You had the uh, Elliot Bennett in midfield with me, Gary Dicker, Liam Bridcut. We brought in from Chelsea. So we had a yeah, like I say, we we had depth as well. We had a great bench, and you know that was a great season. And we still had the width in, and actually, but obviously, moving in to the to the Amex a year after was uh, you know it was it was fantastic. Yeah, I think you've said that you know uh, that they were a bit of a sleeping giant, which of course they turned out to be. They would obviously get the promotions to the Premier League. I think they're still there now as well. So you know, what was that like? Oh, that was a great period, really. I I, I signed really as as the team was going places and the club. You know, the fan base was f- phenomenal down there. They had, uh, you know, great support. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, they were destined to, to, to be in the Prem. And when I left, they were signing even, you know, huge players, foreign players. You know, there was on a lot of money. And uh, it was only going to be a matter of time before they got to the Premiership. And, um, you know, the, the 30,000 30, each home game now. So, yeah, it was a, it was a great club to me. And um, it went very quick, to be honest. You know, the three years went quick. So I didn't pay... I don't think I played one game in the last in the last year because that's when I, I got paid up and got my move down the road to Crawley, yeah, for six months. What was that like then when you signed for, for Crawley in, in the January that year? And, of course, you scored on your first goal for the club against against Scunthorpe in a 2-1 defeat. And, you know, how was that as a move? Yeah, that was... Uh, it's pretty easy because it was only 20 minutes from my house. So I didn't really want to, you know, go, go back up north just for six months and... Um, <laughs> Yeah, Richie Barker was a manager. He was, he was a great manager at the time. And at the end of that that year, actually, uh, I got offered a two-year deal with Crawley. Uh, looking back, um, yeah, it was it was Crawley or Scunthorpe. And like you say, uh, going back to Scunthorpe and scoring, it, was, yeah, it felt felt really weird. Definitely no celebrations, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, like you say, yes, yeah, Scunny beat us that day. And like you say, it was, it, was a, it was an easy move for me at the time to Crawley. And then, of course, as, as you just said, uh, you know, Scunthorpe were an option and you do return to the club in July 2013. You signed on as a free agent. So how did that come about and was that uh, an easy decision? You said there was another club uh, with an offer potentially. So was it always going to be Scunthorpe? No, not always, no. Um, I was close to signing with Crawley again for two years. But then um, I think I was on the beach in Spain, actually, when, when Lawsy texted me. He said, would you come back? And I thought he was winding me up at first. I was like, really? <laughs> he's like, and he's like, yeah, yeah. You know, do you fancy it? I'm getting a few players back. I was like, I was like, you know, um, speaking to my dad at the time and, you know, more thought about it. I thought, yeah, you know, get me back up the, up the road and back to Scunny, especially, you know, it was, uh, felt weird. But going back there, like you say, it was, uh, you know, as soon as you get, through the into the change rooms with all the the old faces returning, Dawes, Marcus Hayes. It was, uh, you know, it was, it was great, and to get promoted was uh, a great decision, really, at the time. Yeah. When you returned to the club, obviously Steve Wharton had, had stepped down, and Peter Swan was in as chairman. Did you feel any difference between the club that you'd left, you know, back in the Championship, and and the club that you just arrived back at under Peter Swan? Um, it, was, it was a little bit different, obviously. 
and everyone loved Mr. Wharton and, uh, you know, him stepping down and Peter Swan coming as chairman. It was, it was a bit different, yeah, but obviously things change at, you know, at football clubs, players come and go and, like you say, the uh, managers and even, like you say, the chairmans do. But a lot of the old faces come back and I think we signed uh, top pros in McSheffrey and Dion Burton. They they played a big part in that, in that success that season as well. Of course, the season didn't start quite as well as we might have liked and, and Lowe's was sacked. Why do you think it, it didn't work for, out for Lowe's that year? Yeah, I think it was obviously... Re- it's a results game based uh, business now. And again, uh, Mr. Swan <laughs> thought a change was needed. So, you know, obviously he doesn't hang about. And um, it just unfortunately for Laws, it didn't, didn't quite work out for him. But then Russ obviously took over at the club. Uh, he knew how to run the club and uh, how well did he do back then. What a, what a job he, he did for us. And to be 20-odd games unbeaten... But again, it's another promotion, so it was a it was a good decision, really. Yeah, yeah. I think it was actually, I think it was twenty eight games unbeaten. It actually was in the end. So that that must have been a great achievement. Uh, what was that like to be in in the squad at the time? Because I think as it the further it went on and on, uh, there were some you know I think rumblings from the fans that because there were a lot of draws in and amongst that that maybe we were playing you know to get that record. Was that the case? Um, no, I don't think so. Like so, yeah, twenty eight games unbeaten was unbelievable really yeah there's a, a lot of draws I think yeah the, the fans probably wanted us to play a bit more attacking football but you know we we had a good defence at the time and you know I think everyone was happy was you know we're still uh, you know in in the top three of the league and um, I think I got injured as well that season and I think Dave Sayers uh, was in the midfield yeah uh, he's got, he had a great season that one so that kept me out the team for a bit and you know, I kept going knocking on Russ's door. You know, what what do I need to do? I think I need to play. He's like, what what can I do? You know, we're unbeaten. <laughs> so that killed me a bit. That twenty eight games unbeaten. I was trying to get back in the team, but you know, you can't really complain. And uh, like you say, we got the job done. And uh, again, it's another promotion. But yeah, looking back, it was uh, twenty eight games. I think is that the longest unbeaten record Scunny's ever had. I think. I think it's. I think it's, uh, it's. I think it's just in football in general, isn't it? For a new manager. Yeah. As well. But, um, you know, for a new manager, 28 games unbeaten. Because I remember he's in the Guinness World Book of Records. I think Sir Alex Ferguson presented him the award at the uh, the ceremony, Ooh, I think. Yeah. Yeah, what an, what, what an achievement that was then, yeah. Yeah, but like you say, yeah, we probably rode our luck a few times. Um, but I think we was happy to take, a, you know, last 10 minutes, it's 1-1, take a point. We don't really need to go, you know, go for the win. But, yeah, what an honor to get Sir Alex Ferguson uh, presenting that award to us is, uh, yeah, that is a uh, one for the record books. What's Russ like as a manager then? Because obviously he's back at the club now in, in that position. We don't know if it's going to be permanent or, or not. He's obviously taken it temporary um, last season. Um, but do you think he'd be a good appointment moving forward for the club if, if he was giving it moving forward? Um, I think so, yeah. I had so much time for Russ. Um, he was brilliant with me. Um, obviously, I, I played with him. But as a coach, he was uh, you know, a really, really nice guy. He knew his football and... You know, knew when to be serious and knew when to have, have a laugh. But um, yeah, he's been a, a hell of a long time now, and uh, I think yeah, if there's, there's there's probably no other better person to take his foot forward, why not give give him a chance? Yeah, like I say, he knows the club inside out. So yeah, Russ is a is a great player and is a is a, is a true leader as well. Yeah, and a great manager. Ultimately, in in 2015, the club announced that it wouldn't be extending your contract. Was that expected at the time? And and did you want to stay? It's probably expected. I didn't play many games that season, and I don't, I don't think I fit into Robin's uh, plans. To be honest, and his style, he brought a lot of his own players in. Yeah, that's when I went on loan to Cheltenham. So it was a, you know, it was just a, one of those things. Um, and I think I knew my, you know, my time was coming to an end at the club. And uh, you know, when I got the call off him, it was it was expected. But you know, you shake hands and you move you move on. Yeah. How did you feel about Robbins then? Because quite a few fans at the time thought he was a bit stubborn and, and he's kind of, you know, he was a little bit dour and a little bit boring. Did that come across from the training ground or was it just something that the fans could see? Yeah, I'd have to agree with the fans on that one. Yeah, I wasn't a massive <laughs> fan of his. Uh, <laughs> wasn't a massive fan of his tactics and his any training sessions. Some of them can be boring, especially if you're not involved. But uh, yeah, yeah, but I think he wanted to. You know, with uh, stamp his authority, especially bringing the new players in and players like myself and a few others wasn't really getting, you know, much chance. But um, you know, it's one of those things, and uh, he's obviously, you know, doing what what he's, he's best for the club. And yeah, if the fans didn't like it, you know, it was uh, it was unfortunate. Yes, yeah. but I wasn't a huge fan of his, to be <coughs> honest. But 
there we go. Uh, so like you say, you get that, there's a move to Cheltenham in there. But in 2015, uh, you joined Lincoln City, as who were, I think, the conference at the time. Uh, did it concern you stepping down to there or did you see it as a new challenge? Yeah, again, it was a new challenge. And I was obviously, uh, I was getting on a bit, 30, 34, I think I was, yeah. And obviously it's local as well, just up the road. So I was actually on holiday at the time in America and I got a text off one of my friends, Jack Muldoon, who was uh, asking uh, you know, if I fancied Lincoln, next minute I was on the phone to Chris Moyes. And as soon as I got back off all day, uh, I met him on the Monday. I think within an hour, it was, the deal was done and dusted. So, you know, um, obviously we had some great games against Lincoln. And again, to sign for them, was, it was a bit weird. And, uh, you know, I used to love going to Simsel Bank to play him, but obviously not in the, the 5-3 playoff one. But uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a huge club. Again, a bit of a sleeping giant. You know, they've got great fans and uh, home and away. And obviously, you know, it turned out they're in the football league now, and yeah, which was always going to come. Um, yeah, I enjoyed my time there. I was a bit, bit unfortunate not to get another season there because I had a twenty-five game clause in my contract, played twenty-four, and you know they made me take it out. So I was a bit annoyed with that, to be honest, because uh, I'd have got another year. But then that's when I decided to obviously emigrate to Australia after that. Yeah, what was the motive behind that then? Was it always something you kind of saw yourself doing or was it kind of a decision made after um, being released by Lincoln? I think it was February, March when I was still playing for Lincoln. I just, you know, I, I knew I wasn't going to get offered a new deal. You know, I was uh, coming up to 35, you know, 18 years in English football, you know, is it's, it's pretty good. I, was, I wanted to get to 30 and then 35 and I thought, right, I'll think it's a new challenge. And I, I always wanted to go to America or... I've never really thought about Australia. And then my friend texted me, uh, you know, I fancy coming out here to play semi-pro. And I thought, you know, why not? I thought I've done all I could really in England. I didn't want to be a bit part player traveling up and down the country, you know, in the conference Saturday, Tuesday. And I thought, well, yeah, why not? And, you know, I never looked back. I went to Australia on a, a year's travel visa, kept getting extended. And at the moment I'm still here and uh, on another visa. So hopefully, uh, I will be a permanent residence in next year, hopefully, fingers crossed. So, yeah, I've been here four years now and it's it's flown by and it's a, a great decision now looking back. What's the what's the lifestyle like for, you know, for a footballer in Australia compared to that of a footballer in England? Yeah, the, the lifestyle is great, but obviously the football is nowhere near, you know, as, as good a standard as England. I think it's the fourth biggest sport here. So, you know, they've got the AFL and everyone's uh, mad about that. But, yeah, it, it suits me at my age. It's, you know, very laid back training twice three times a week but um yeah I knew it, it I knew it was going to be like I think on the one of the first days I, I come signed for a club called Sorrento and uh, I left my kit the lad's like what are you doing I says just leaving my kit why are we going to pick up tomorrow he's like you're not in England now lad uh, get that kit and you have, you, have, you have to wash it yourself I was like you me <laughs> no, no one cleans your boots here I was like nah I was like you're not in England now as soon as that happened I thought here we go and then after every game, you get a crate of beer. So I thought, Jesus, this ain't bad, you know. And it's definitely not serious here, but you know, it's uh, it's great fun. Yeah, <laughs> they're not they're not massive on the sports science there. <laughs> nah, nah, exactly. Yeah, crate of beer. If you, if you win or lose, you have a beer basically. So it's uh, yeah, I love it. Now it's obviously at my age, you know, couldn't get away with that back in England having a crate after you know a three 0 defeat or whatever. But yeah, it's uh, it's uh, loving it, loving it now. Uh, you mentioned you've been there four years, but there was a spell, I think, in that first year, 2016, where you do actually move back to England for a little bit and sign for Gainsborough, playing four games for them before returning to Australia. So what, what was the reasoning behind that? Uh, well, I actually went back home to get my UA for B coaching licence. So, and that was at Barnsley. So I had to fly back for that to complete that. So that took uh, a few weeks. And in the meantime, I was speaking to someone at Gainsborough and I said, why don't you come and play for us? I was like, oh, yeah, why not? So... Uh, Signed for them on a game-to-game basis. You know, I loved it there. It was a, you know, it was a great club as well and uh, some good players there at the time. I think we struggled that year. But then, you know, I got me away for B pretty quick, actually, quicker than I thought. So then I only played four games and I was on the flight back out to Australia. Yeah, so uh, that was short but sweet there. Yeah, you mentioned you, you're back to Australia and then you move into kind of a player-coach role. Um, was that always your aim to kind of move into coaching after after you finished football? Yeah, yeah. I always want to be in and around you know, football and, you know, there's a lot of the uh, young kids coming through the ranks over here because uh, obviously it's, uh, the visas, you're only allowed two visa players per team. So a lot of homegrown here, you know, a lot of Australian players. So, you know, to to be on the flip side and be a coach, you know, I, I'm enjoying it. Uh, 
just trying to, you know, all my experience, just, you know, trying to pass it on to these young boys, really. So, I'm, you know, I'm really, I'm really loving it at the moment, yeah. Yeah, I think we'll move on to some general questions then just to kind of round off, I think. So um, let, let's go with the classic. Who's the favourite player you've played with and against? With, there's a, a lot of players with. Probably midfield partners I'll go for. Probably, I, mean, I, did, I did love it with Barra Clough and then Grant McCann, you know what I mean? I, I love playing with them too. Obviously, I can, I can go on and on. Uh, Crozer and then all the strikers, like I say, Hooper Hayes. But against, I'll probably go midfielder. I'll probably Modric against uh, Bale and Suarez. M3 weren't bad on the day. <laughs> I was lucky enough, lucky enough to get Suarez's shirt as well, which is framed now. So I was absolutely buzzing with that. I chased him all over the pitch at the end to try and keep up with him, yeah, to get the shirt. He actually, he actually wanted mine. I'm not sure why. He's probably uh, cleaning the car with it right now. But yeah, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of good players have played. Lucky enough to play against. Yeah, um, we've mentioned quite a few significant goals that you've scored for Scunthorpe along the way. But do you have a favourite one? If you had to narrow it down to just one, well, the two I actually scored against Hull City when we beat them. Um, I think it was three one when Hayes scored the uh, the first one from you know when he ran it from the halfway line. I, I really enjoyed them too, especially against you know Hull. Um, that was a great day. Like you say, the Luton one was good. The Sheffield United at home, the 3-2 last-minute winner I enjoyed. I don't know if you remember, but Torquay away, I think it was on one of my debuts, or a few games in for, for Lawsey. Uh, I scored two, actually, at, at Torquay. I loved, you know, I remember them two goals. I think that was my f- two, two first-ever goals, possibly. And obviously, you got the two at Wembley. So probably them five games really stand out for me, mm-hmm. big time. Have you got a favourite moment? Um, probably, obviously, it's Scunthorpe and then your career in general. Yeah, uh, favourite moments probably got to be the, the four or five promotions. Definitely, the first one was special because obviously, you know, it's your first promotion. Um, you, you know, not many players even managed to get one on on the CV. But the second one, the way we did it and the way we, you know, finished champions and you know got that was that was a phenomenal season. And then, like I said, a third one. At, the Wembley, the way we did it was 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 mental, yeah. So each promotion definitely was probably probably my favourites, and then the one at Brighton was 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 special as well. Just just to round off, then can, in in a few words, can you sum up what Scunthorpe has, has meant to you throughout your career and, and kind of what it means to you now? Yeah, yeah. Well, greatest years of my life, to be honest. You know, I was there as a kid. You know, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. You know, signing on a three-year YT. You know. 11 unbelievable years there and then to come back for another two it's you know it's you know it meant the world and it still does still think about you know all the memories I, I get a bit of stick actually so re, reposting the old Facebook Scunthorpe videos and the like a few of my mates let it go you're not there anymore but you know what I mean you can you know the unbelievable memories and you know I made some great friends on and off the pitch you know I still still think of how good the fans were to me and uh, there's always games that pop into my head but you know, it's it's going to be it's a very very special time looking back, and like I say, the best years I've ever had. And I think you know we had some great great years looking back, and uh, you know I'd love Scunthorpe to get to get back to them highs again sooner rather than later. Absolutely, um, Matt. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been great. Yeah, thank, thanks for having me. It's been brilliant. Not at all. Pleasure. And thank you very much, everybody, for listening to this. And we'll see you on the next one.